Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lost Teams podcast. I am your co-host Anthony Cerdelli. Here with me today once again is Andrew Lennox. Andrew, how you doing? Doing well, Anthony. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Staying sane. Trying to get outside. Not go too nuts. Uh, but do yeah. do doing it's well crazy. overall. Happy that the hockey season started, which is nice. Yeah, that's great. It's crazy in where we live in LA County right now with COVID. Yeah. So it's I don't even know what to say on that, but. Yeah, but we've got hockey to watch, and we've uh, bat- the NBA started obviously a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. So right. we're in that vein. We're going to do a little bit of basketball and a little bit of hockey in this episode. Who are you're going to go first? Who are you covering? I'm actually going to be covering the Flint Fuse, which is which was a team in the Continental Basketball Association that just lasted one single season in 0102. Pretty as we like to call them shit show franchises <laughs> as this this uh, franchise would definitely fit into that category so i have, uh, to, tell, I have yep. to tell you i've never even heard of the continental basketball league in my life so this yeah. should be uh, this should be yeah, good we'll go we'll go into that in a little later um so before we get into the team just wanted to go over some things about flint the this uh you know it's a city in michigan uh like um like Detroit, it you know it's it's seen a decline in population over the years with with the auto industry struggling. So I think it's about a city of a hundred thousand or so. But it was once a, like a booming city, with you know when as as Detroit was in in probably what the fifties sixties. Yeah, I mean I think until the seventies when the uh, when the uh, auto companies started started struggling i think that was when it i, I mean i'm not <laughs> i don't remember exactly but yeah 40s 50s 60s strikes me as the 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 uh payday of the automobile industry in america right and you know i was do- just doing some research on flint in general and the the list of professional athletes is that are from flint is so impressive like i don't know if i've seen a city of this size have so many really good professional athletes and I'm just going to name a few um, through the, the, you know, the four uh, major sports leagues they played in. Uh, remember Jim Abbott? Mm-hmm. The, was he the one-armed pitcher? Yes, he was played for the Yankees and the angels, I think. Yeah. Uh, JaVel McGee. Yeah. Just won an NBA title. I think he's with Cleveland now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, of the Lakers. Uh, Glenn Rice, who was an excellent player in in the '90s, I think he played for Charlotte. Yeah, that uh, that rings a bell. I remember. I think I had his card when I was really little. Yeah, um, and then Michigan State star, uh, MSU star Mateen Cleaves, who mm-hmm. was an excellent college basketball player. I don't think his NBA career really panned out at all. Um, I think he got a chance, but maybe a cup of coffee. He was really small. Um, uh, former, well, Heisman Trophy winner, uh, running back Mark Ingram Jr. Uh, he's currently a running back for the Ravens. Wide receiver Andre Risen, who was an excellent receiver in the NFL in the 90s. Uh, oh, actor. that was uh, Andre Risen was the one who TLC uh, left I Lopez burned down his house. Yes, yes, that was him. Yeah, they had a relationship at one time, and he played for. He had a good career in the NFL for sure. Um, actor Terry Crews, as we oh, know, oh, he's great. He played in the NFL as well. I'm not sure for how long, but 
Yeah, he's a great actor, obviously. And even some hockey players, um, Tim Thomas. Yep. Former Boston Bruins goalie, also Stanley Cup champion. Brian Rolston, who was oh, a yeah. great, great forward for the Wild. The Bruins. Bruins. Yep. Devils, I think he won a cup with the Devils. Yep. And the list just goes on and on. Like, it's crazy. Like, uh, we could talk for 45 minutes about the motivation to leave Flint. The motivation to leave Flint is probably pretty high, if you can. Yeah, it's a, a tough city. Um, but, yeah, now they're they're producing professional athletes, probably more than a lot of major cities. Mm-hmm. So um, let's get into the Fuse franchise. Uh, the team was owned by hometown hero Jeff Greer, another great athlete who who represented the U.S. in the 1988 Seoul, South Korea Olympics uh, on the basketball team. He also played uh, nine years in the NBA. Um, I think I said he was the owner. Um, he was a part-time owner, actually, and the coach of the team. Uh, so early on in this team's start of existence, they made a really risky move. They joined the struggling CBA, as I mentioned, was the Continental Basketball Association, which at one time was actually basically a triple A affiliate and was a partner of the NBA in the eighties and nineties. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, I'll get into that a little bit more. Um, the league made a disastrous move just before the um, Fuse actually joined the league. Um, former Detroit Pistons legend Isaiah Thomas bought the league in 1999. Um, under Thomas, the direction of the league went bank- bankrupt 18 months later and out of business after 55 years. And then the Knicks hired him. <laughs> yeah. And he worked for the Raptors at one time. I don't think it went well. Yeah, he doesn't front seem office. Yeah. great NBA player. Doesn't strike me as the management type. Right. I'm not sure what he's doing these days, but besides arguing with Michael Jordan. <laughs> Pissing off Michael Jordan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so uh, the league was reorganized in 2001 and franchise holders reacquired the intellectual property. Unfortunately for these league franchise holders who took over the CBA, the NBA had created their own developmental league um, by this time. And it was known what we know now as the G league. Um, so they were getting this league back together was risky, obviously with, you know, an NBA back minor league, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so the few struggled on the court, uh, in their one year of existence, they finished with a record of 17 and 23, uh, missing the playoffs. Um, you know, it's not a huge city. So they, they also had to compete for fans and sponsors with the Flint Generals, a minor league hockey team who were playing in the United Hockey League. I think they still exist. Um, my buddy, uh, Jaroslav Chesky, um, he actually played um, for them down the road, like 2005, 2006, I believe. Pretty legit. Got some pro hockey in his career. Right. <laughs> the U-Haul, they used to call that league. Oh, boy. Just shove all the players in a U-Haul and just <laughs> tow them behind a truck. <laughs> yeah. No heat. Just crank, rattle them around back there. <laughs> right. I can't. They, hopefully the ice conditions were better when he played. Were they, the Firebirds they, in there already by then the, uh, in the OHL? No. Uh, the Firebirds moved from Plymouth 
So the, probably they were the Plymouth Whalers, I believe. Oh, I don't yeah. think they weren't there at that time, no. Yeah. Um, so they actually both played in a, uh, an arena called the IMA, IMA Sports Arena, which was a problem in itself. I think it held like 5,200 seats. Huh. So de- pretty decent size. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, so at, at times the Fuse had to play with no arena heating in a mid Michigan winter. Oh, is it just, was it just old? <laughs> I don't I, It just sounded like they had a ton of maintenance problems. That room. That's like the outdoor, like when we used to play and they had outdoor arenas in some places, like yeah. it's like they have an indoor arena, they had an outdoor basketball arena, basically like that's. Yeah. But they, well, at least we had equipment and were able to wear like winter clothes. Like, yeah. They were in shorts and, basically a tank top <laughs> there were their uniform was a parka and like snow pants <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it was yeah i've never heard of that like <laughs> heating <No>. issues were <laughs> um so they um the, the end the generals actually had some problem not to go into the generals too much but um they uh, they often had to um postpone games due to un- unplayable ice conditions Sounds like, a, sounds like a great time. It was a terrible the- arena. I'm not <laughs> sure if it exists still, but yeah, it was bad. Uh, so at the end, not much going on with this team. At the end of the season, they were taken over by new investors and moved to a small village 20 minutes north of Flint named Birch Run, Michigan. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and they changed their name to the Great Lakes Storm. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the, the, the part-time owner and coach um, actually moved with the team and coached for one more season, no longer um, an owner. The, the, the Storm played three more seasons after moving from Flint and the, the CBA folded in 2009. Um, so, yeah, they, they, it was a tough, tough, tough go in, in Flint. Um, they were led by a player named Desmond Ferguson, um, he was the, the third leading scorer in the uh, CBA at that time. He he played actually made the NBA and played seven games for the Portland Trail Blazers, um, and then went on to some success after his professional playing career. He created Moneyball Sportswear and is the CEO of Moneyball Pro Am, which is a league in Michigan in the summer that draws pro and amateur players in Michigan. That's a cool thing about, I mean, that going back to the last episode we did with the Anaheim Amigos, like there were no players from the Amigos that would go on to play in the NBA afterwards, but this, the Flint team, I mean, they have at least one player who went on to play in the NBA. So it's like, that's right. probably a little bit more legitimate than even the ABA was at, at certain times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, I don't know what it was at this time, but I mean, it was considered a triple A team yeah. for many years so one step under back to the fuse uh the franchise last games were played or first game was played against the grand rapids hoops and their last game ended with playing against the grand rapids hoops just um, did they win did they shove it in their hoops uh <laughs> i had no record of that knowing what happened but uh yeah it was just a bad luck franchise from the start obviously joining the cba wasn't that good move mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they almost should have tried to get in that g league yeah well 
the G League. Yeah, I mean, it would have been a good idea. Back then it was the D League, and then when it just changed the G League like three or four years ago, I thought. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Because okay. when it got sponsored by Gator, one of my buddies is a, uh, works on the for the Lakers, the South Bay Lakers, so oh, cool. the inside out on that. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, that, that wraps up the Flint Fuse. Um, my sources are an article on 247sports.com. Uh, dot com. It was written by Stephen Brooks titled Moneyball Pro-Am Canceled Due to COVID-19. Fun While It Lasted.net um, with information on the Flint Fuse written by Drew Crossley. Yeah, and my last source was from slamonline.com. The, the title of the article was, was the original Moneyball. It was by um, Slam staff and it went into a little bit about Desmond Ferguson's career a bit, not, not too much, but just uh, updated us a little bit about the, that program league he's involved with, or this he's the CEO of. Well, speaking of uh, kind of rudimentary ways to get around like a U-Haul, I'm going to talk about the Montreal Wanderers, a pre NHL professional hockey team who probably had to get from game to game in a horse and buggy uh, considering when it was, but uh, yeah. Uh, or by train, I would guess. But uh, yeah, the Montreal Wanderers were a, a pre-NHL, probably one of the most successful teams pre-NHL, but still was able to win the Stanley Cup, which I'm going to go into a little bit of the, the history of the Stanley Cup because it, had, believe it or not, has existed long before the NHL started. So oh, yeah. uh, pretty interesting there. Uh, my sources were an article called The Most Famous Fire in Hockey History, the Day the Montreal Arena Burned Down by Alex Pruitt in Sports Illustrated in 2017. Uh, Wikipedia's article on the Wanderers and then an article from the 1903 Montreal Gazette called Hockey Situation. Oh. <laughs> One hell of a headline. Creative title. <laughs> yeah, but just like the most vague thing you could possibly say. There is <laughs> hockey now. Right. Um, so the Wanderers were a professional hockey team founded in December of 1903 in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Their uh, nickname traces all the way back to 1884. There were other teams called the Wanderers before who kind of players moved from one team to another and then they called themselves the Wanderers and it just kind of kept going until yeah. until it got to this team. Um, they started off as an amateur team. Okay. So, And back then, I mean, the Stanley Cup was awarded to amateur teams. I mean, they were pretty much only amateur teams, the the best. I'll get into that later, but they would basically the best ones in the country would challenge each other in the country of Canada. Yeah. Was Uh, there not no American teams? There were. Well, we might get into this in a few weeks, the the, uh, Seattle um, Metropolitans, hopefully. But uh, uh, it took a little while before we got an American Stanley Cup winner, but we will get to that in a future episode, I promise. The Wanderers won the Stanley Cup on four occasions, like I said, before the NHL. They were founded by owner and coach James Strachan, I guess is how you would say it, or Strachan. Um, And they originated from players who split off from another really good amateur hockey team called the Montreal Hockey Club, who had also previously won the Stanley Cup. Sure. Their nickname was the Little Men of Iron, and I don't know why. I guess because they were short and tough. I think I read somewhere, <laughs> right uh, and that had come originated with the Montreal Hockey Club and carried over to the Wanderers. But let's get into the uh, the interesting stuff first. The Stanley okay. Cup. So you, today, you obviously any any sports fan probably knows what the Stanley Cup looks like. Giant trophy looks like it weighs a ton. 
uh, I would say I'm biased, but the most interesting and coolest trophy in professional sports, if I do say so myself. <laughs> yeah, definitely. A little history about the Stanley Cup. It was named after Lord Stanley of Preston, a British monarch who became the sixth governor of Canada. Uh, and I have no idea what the governor of Canada does or is. If you want to, if you as a Canadian know what it is, please tell me because it's not the prime minister. No, I, I, to be honest, I have no idea. Because, I mean, obviously, now Canada is ran by a prime minister. Yeah, it seems it seems complicated. I I guess that the governor of Canada was the liaison between the crown, the British crown, and, and yeah. the country. That makes sense, yeah. So um, we'll call it the governor general of Canada. Okay. Uh, he basically gave the cup. He 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 created it. Uh, it looked way different back then. This actually, the one you you see awarded today is not the original. It's a copy of the original with all the the rings added on the bottom. Um, sure. Basically, Preston was a huge hockey fan, loved hockey, and and said that well, we need a a trophy that need that like befits this sport because I love it so much. So he awarded this this very fancy silver bowl. Uh, two, and I'm not sure exactly what organization, I think maybe it was just the government and they awarded it to, I'll tell you the rules of how you want it. Um, it was originally awarded automatically to the team who wins the title of the previous cup champions league without the need for any other extra special contest. So basically whatever league that the, the Stanley cup champion was in, Whoever wins that league wins the cup because it's assumed that that is the best league if the cup champion is in that league. Sure. Makes um, sense. And at the time, there were a bunch of amateur leagues around Canada, and, and that's kind of why it seems so vague. And there, there was no NHL, like I said. It's, uh, it, it sounds kind of like uh, in Canada now there's um, a level that's senior hockey, mm-hmm. and they, they have like a championship as well. So It's basically, I think, what it was. I mean, yeah. back then. Yeah. Um, challenges. There were some senior men's, men's uh, teams in the U.S. too. Huh? Yeah. Not, just not as many. Yeah. Um, so challengers for the Cup must be from senior hockey associations, like you said, and must have won their league championship. Challengers will be recognized in the order in which the request was received. So basically, like, let's say a team wins the Cup in their league and another team wins their league and they say, like, hey, we think we're good enough to beat this team. So they challenge the Stanley Cup winner and then there's a game. The challenge games where the cup could change leagues are to be decided either in a one-game affair, a two-game total goals affair, or a best-of-three series to the benefit of both teams involved. All matches are to take place on home ice of the champion. So there was no home and away. Every game was played on home ice of the team that was the, our, the current cup champion, which figures in a little bit later into my story about the Wanderers. Home ice advantage. Yeah, completely. Yeah. There is no way. There is no home ice for the uh, challenging team whatsoever. Right. Uh, all matches take place to the home, of, home ice of the champions, although specific dates and times have to be approved by the trustees. So, uh, and there are other rules. The same league can't be challenged twice in a season, but there could be multiple challenges in a season. So like you couldn't, you couldn't, two teams from the same, couldn't, same league couldn't challenge the winner who, if they were in another league. Oh, um, okay. Basically, leagues would challenge the winner, so the winner of the league would challenge the current cup champion until 1926, at which point it was just awarded to the winner of the NHL because that's when the NHL kind of took over uh, because that was unanimously the best league. 
Right. But it's interesting today, the Stanley Cup does not technically belong to the NHL, I don't think. It's not, I don't think it's owned or property of the NHL. Well, so, who, who, has, who, owns the, who owns it then? The tr- I think it's the trustees of the Stanley Cup. I'll have to look that up before we finish it out. But the, the cup is not owned as far as I could tell by the NHL. Um, but this whole challenge thing makes the Wanderers' history pretty headache-inducing, uh, not only because of how they would win and lose the Stanley Cup, but also because they changed league multiple times. Right. They started off in the FAHL, the Federal Amateur Hockey League, which was a Canadian Senior Amateur Hockey League. Mm-hmm. They were in that league for a couple of years before they moved to the ECAHA, the Eastern Canada Amateur mm-hmm. Hockey Association. That's where they spent three years. Then from 1910 to 1917, which was their longest tenure in one league, but their least successful, they played in the NHA, which is the National Hockey Association. Uh, precursor then, to the NHL? Yeah, that was the precursor to the NHL. And one thing I thought was funny, they only played four games in the NHL before their arena burned down. We'll get to that later. Oh, uh, but the NHL, this is according to Wikipedia, was professional and was the precursor precursor to the NHL. It introduced six-man hockey. So what would happen before and during the Wanderers' prime was seven-man hockey. So there would be the goalie, two defensemen, three forwards, and then what's called the rover. So the rover would just go wherever. It's like, it reminds me of semi-pro again. I'm a rover, coach. I'm a rover. <laughs> I wonder what they wore for equipment back then. Do you think they just got old newspapers and wore them as shin pads? I'm just imagining like S and M gear. <laughs> yeah. It's just the bruises and bumps those players must have taken. Oh. They they just wore like tuxedos and peacoats with top hats. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the reason the NHL so it introduced six man hockey, so what we know is for hockey today, a goalie and then the five skaters. Um but the other thing that I liked was that the NHA turned into the NHL. Basically, what, what happened was the NHA was going to be the NHL, and then they wanted to get rid of this owner they didn't like. So they basically disbanded the league, reformed the league as the NHL, and just didn't include that owner. Oh, wow. That's a very eighth-grade girl thing to do, but yeah, hey, whatever. <laughs> um, so uh, during their existence, and I'm going to go into all their success, they were one of the most successful hockey teams, early hockey teams in terms of winning the cup. But things, like I said, were different. Um, there's no playoffs like there is today. There at most would be the three game playoff if they were challenged. Did they play the Winnipeg Victorias ever? I don't I think, think that so. was. Well, it was a team way back. Yeah, there was. A, so there's, I'll get into some teams that they played against. Okay. There's really uh, <laughs> some good names for teams. Right. Uh, but this is kind of their history of, of what they did. So they'd win it. And then if they lose a challenge, they'd have to win it back again. Uh, so instead of saying they were like four time winners of the Stanley cup, this is what they did. They won the cup for the first time in 1906 and then defended it in 1906. They lost it in 1907 and then won it back again in 1907. So you could be challenged multiple times in a year. So therefore you could technically win the cup multiple times (laughs) in a year. Holy cow. Um, they defended it technically four times in 1908, three times from challengers, and once by winning their league again. Okay. In 1909, they won a challenge and then lost their league. So they lost it to the team that beat them in their league. Then they won it back in 1910 and defended a challenge. So technically, I guess you would say they won and then they won it 
again or kept the other team from winning it. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of their, their streak of when they were winning cups. They didn't win any after 1910. Uh, but you asked about teams that they played against. So there are some real good neat teams here in these uh, early Canadian leagues that included yeah. the Kenora Thistles of Kenora, yeah, Ontario. I know, I know that. Kenora Thistles. It's I think a, they might be a senior league team still. I, I maybe I wonder if some of these like senior league teams draw their history all the way back. I mean, it kind yeah. of be like British soccer a little bit. Definitely been to Kenora. Yeah, I have heard of Kenora. I have never been. It's on Lake of the Woods. In, oh, got in it. Ontario. Uh, is that where you telling me? Is that where um, who was living there? Uh, the enforcer where he was living on the streets. Yeah, Joel Murphy lives in or in Kenora or is on the streets in Kenora. I, I'm not sure if he still is, Yeah, but hopefully sad. he's turning his life around. A pretty sad story. Yep. Uh, but on to more lighthearted stuff. They also played the Toronto trolley leaguers, which oh. it's like the, it reminds me of like the bus league. Like if you were an AHL team called themselves the bus leaguers or something. <laughs> what a weird name. Uh, but it's, it reminds me of, um, that's why the Dodgers, the LA Dodgers are called the Dodgers because when they lived in Brooklyn, their fans would run through the streets and dodge, dodge the street trolleys to get to Ebbets field. So they were called the trolley Dodger, the Brooklyn trolley Dodgers. And then they became the Brooklyn Dodgers and then the LA Dodgers. So, yeah, sure. uh, that was a theme back then. Yeah, maybe. So the players had to dodge the trolleys to get to their, or took trolleys to get to their leagues. Who knows? (laughs) Yes. Um, they actually lost their first ever chance to win the Stanley Cup by losing to none other than the Ottawa Senators, the OG nice. Ottawa Senators, who, um, for those of you who don't know, the current Ottawa Senators are an expansion team from what, like the early 90s. They have that big S on their jersey yeah. back in those days. Yep. Um, they tied, and this is the part where I was talking about the home team, because this is so Montreal. I mean, I'm a little bit biased. I'm from New England, so I've got a little bit of a – Montreal's a beautiful city, but I have a little bit of a – dislike for Montreal hockey. Sure. <laughs> so rivalry with the Bruins. Yeah. So they had a chance. They tied a game five, five in Ottawa for a chance to win their first Stanley cup. The Wanderers did, but they forfeited a replay of the tie because the league refused to hold the game in Montreal, which if they listen to the rules that I just described, it, the games are played in the cup holders arena and it, they, the Montreal was a challenging team. So they had to play in Ottawa and they refused uh yeah. so they lost but that's uh, just so montreal it's like no we're special we, we we let's play in montreal and then they're like yeah. no sorry those are the rules and they storm off in a huff uh, that's funny sorry anybody Spoiled from montreal <laughs> sorry i love your city the people yeah. there are very nice but yeah. your hockey teams all the even back then upset yeah me. i was uh, actually gonna mention one thing i mentioned the winnipeg victorias mm-hmm. uh, just before we move on and so it's um, on my mind right now. So they were actually, were a senior league team. Um, they played in Winnipeg, obviously. They played in the Manitoba Hockey Association. And uh, the Victorias act won the Stanley Cup in 1896. And for oh. some reason in February. They must have been an early winner in February. Yeah. Well, someone probably challenged them. Like it was probably, a, or they challenged somebody else. But that, like imagine today, like, going from Winnipeg to like Montreal or, or Toronto. And it's like, that's like in the 1890s, that's like the Oregon trail in the winter. Someone probably died of dysentery on the way. Like 
<laughs> yeah, I, it's lo- it looks like they, not to just keep bringing up the Winnipeg no. Victorias, but they they were going to Toronto and London, Ontario, Niagara Falls. There was another team called that Hamilton Thistles. Thistles, popular name. Yeah. Tree is that a tree branch? A thistle is like a small thorny <laughs> plant. It looks like it, like I don't know, maybe. Ah, I different. think my wife has one of those. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, if you imagine like a dandelion. I'm an expert on thistles for some yeah. reason. No, my wife loves plants, and I think I, I got her a thistle. <laughs> I didn't know what it was called, but she's probably like, "Thanks, it hurts to touch this plant." No, she loves it. <laughs> um. That's interesting, though. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's this country plant of Canada that I don't that I was not aware of. Although I'm sure it's the maple tree. So the nat. Wow, I can't speak the national plant of Canada. I'm curious what that is. But back back to the Wanderers. Um, so they joined the NHL the first year the NHL existed, but within four games, a fire burned down their arena the day before they were supposed to play against the Montreal Canadiens. Mm-hmm. Um, the Montreal Canadiens, obviously the team, you know, today won the most Stanley cups in NHL history. Uh, the Canadians were the Francophone team of Canada and are, I mean, the Francophone team of Quebec, sorry, Montreal, not Canada. I know people in Canada would be pissed. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, the, they were basically geared towards the French speaking fans while the Wanderers were geared towards Montreal's English speaking fans. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah. So the arena burned down. There were no fatalities. If you Google Montreal Arena Fire, you'll see an article from CBC that has a before and after picture, which is pretty crazy. Um, and Montreal Gazette's headline the next day was pretty creative: "Is Arena Not Likely to Rise from Ashes?" Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> it's funny. That would work today. Yeah, I think it's funny. I mean, yeah. it's it's a little bit like. I don't know. Maybe I'm taking it as humorous when it's not because it, yeah, it's not too humorous. I'm sure some people, there was a few people devastated. Yeah. Nobody was killed though. Um, Oh, that's good. It was the first indoor, the Montreal arena was the first indoor rink made for hockey specifically and fit 7,000 people. So nice. Pretty, uh, that's kind of the start of the sports legacy there. If you're talking about. That's bigger than the, uh, what was that? The Flint, the Flint Fuse arena. arena. Yeah. Yeah, IMA Sports Arena. Yeah, that's big. I, yeah, that's wait, big it was called IMA IMA Sports Arena. Yeah, like I, I should have noticed that one. Like I didn't like, notice that at all. I am a sports it's, arena. It, it's in <laughs> IMA's all in capitals. <laughs> it's like convincing you it's a it's a basketball arena. I am a basketball court. Yeah. Um. So uh, there were some really funny names on the Montreal Wanderers as well as legendary names. So I'll, t- I'll talk about the funny names first so that they, mm-hmm. we don't sully the legendary names. Uh, a guy named Sprague Cleghorn. Sprague? Okay. Sprague Cleghorn. Hod Stewart. Uh, not Rod? Not, not Rod. Hod <laughs> Stewart. H-O-D. Um, they were actually among the Hockey Hall of Famers who played for the Wanderers. So legendary names. Sorry, your names are funny. So I'm laughing at you. But uh, Odd Stewart's a fantastic man. There were some hockey, really good, I mean, big names that hockey fans will recognize now, mostly because that there are trophies named after them, including Art Ross, who played for five, who played for the team five different seasons, uh, but not consecutive. He, of course, is the man the Art Ross Trophy is named after in the NHL, and it is awarded to the NHL player who leads the league in scoring. Yeah. 
So we both knew that. They also have the Lester, they also have Lester Patrick on their team. So there's a Lester Patrick Award, which is actually not an NHL award. It's awarded by USA Hockey, but he was mm-hmm. another Hall of Famer. Bunch of um, legends. Yeah. And his, uh, the award is named after him to honor the recipient's contribution to the sport of hockey in the United States. So there are some pretty serious award winners here for that. Uh, the late Jim Johansson, who was a former pro hockey player and executive for USA Hockey, who helped build the program into what it is today. He passed away just a few years ago, but he was a pretty big architect of uh, the success of USA Hockey. Yep. Back in the in the eighties or nineties, I think nineties and two thousands. Um, but it wasn't just executives. There were also some very notable players who won the award. Mark Howe, who was the son of Gordy Howe, played yep. for the Hartford Whalers and a bunch of other teams. Flyers. Flyers, um, Cam Neely of the Boston Bruins. Actually, I think he won when he was an executive. Um, I think he is still president of the Bruins. Mm. Uh, Ted Lindsay, the Hall of Fame defenseman of the Red Wings, and Steve Eiserman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think two seasons ago or two years ago. Right. Um, They were all Lester Patrick Award winners, and like I said, Lester Patrick played for the Montreal Wanderers and is in Mm. the Hockey Hall of Fame. Before I wrap up, there are a. List of here are a list of other players who played for the Wanderers who are in the Hockey Hall of Fame: Dickie Boone, Harry Cameron, uh, our friend Sprague Cleghorn, sure. Fog, Foghorn Leghorn, um, Jimmy Gardner, Joe Hall, Riley Hearn, Tom Hooper, Harry Highland, Jack Marshall, Ernie Moose Johnson, Gordon Roberts, Ernie Russell, Bruce Stewart, and Hod Stewart. Like I said, our friend Rod Hod Stewart. So was what was the Gordon who? Uh, Gordon Roberts. Oh, I'm surprised his name wasn't Gord in Gordon Canada. Roberts probably was Gord. Hey, yeah, Gordon. most Canadians who are named Gordon are called Gordon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that doesn't transfer over to the U.S. Yeah, it's just not a. It's Gordy. There's Gordy. Yeah, there's Gordy. Gord's non-existent. Yeah. Um, so just to wrap up the Montreal Wanderers, after they folded, there was the Montreal Maroons, and that was another attempt to capture the English-speaking fans of Montreal. Uh, the Montreal Forum, that was the precursor to, I mean, that was around for almost a century and was a precursor to the Bell Centre. and uh, Or Centre Bell. Centre Bell. My French skills there, showing my <laughs> French skills. Uh, so the Montreal Forum, which came before that, was built for the Maroons. Uh, but turns out everyone liked the Canadians better, so the Maroons folded. I think the Maroons probably folded for another reason. We'll get into them maybe in the future as well. Uh, but that'll do it for the Montreal Wanderers, a, uh, a very successful pre-NHL team, but still Stanley Cup winners. I think they were actually the first team to carve their names into the Stanley Cup too. Oh, cool. Yeah. So a ton of history involved with the Wanderers. Yeah. So, uh, very interesting. Um, please people from Quebec and Montreal, if you even listen, don't kill us. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. We were were generally nice. Um, huge, obviously huge hockey fans up there. Yeah. Yeah. We used to go to hockey camp up there and have a great time. Then went to some bachelor parties up there. Also had a great time. (laughs) I've never been to Montreal. Um, I've heard it's a fantastic city. Strongly suggest you go after the pandemic. There are very many non-pandemic friendly activities that go on there that are fun. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. (laughs) All right. Well, that'll do it. Um, Anything that you're uh, working on or where where can they find you on social media? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at A-W-L-E-N-N. 
Awesome. You can find me on Twitter at Deli Tweets. That's D-E-L-L-I-T-W-E-E-T-S. And you can find me on Instagram at Media Deli. Man, I forgot, I think, what it is. M-E-D-I-A-D-E-L-L-I. Uh, yeah, give me feedback. Give both of us, please, feedback about what you want to hear, teams you want to hear. It's been crickets so far, but we need feedback. We need suggestions. Tell your friends, please. Word of mouth helps a lot in spreading the podcast. So if you like this podcast, if you like sports history, tell your friends about it. We will get better for sure. We're still, uh, we're still working. We're having a good time. But we're, we're amateurs still. We're, we're amateurs. We're, we're in the, uh, the PHA, the podcast, the, the APHA, the Amateur Podcast the, the Hockey F Association. League. <laughs> Nobody's challenging us for this for the podcast cup right now. Right. We're gonna go challenge spit and chicklets in a little bit. Oh, Throw them down. <laughs> they destroy us. <laughs> uh, uh, yep, for sure. Uh all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening and uh we'll catch you again for the next episode.